You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 7 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. Today is Part 7 in our series on Nicholas Meyer as a director, and we're looking at his eighth movie, Vendetta. I'm Mike. I'm Whitley Stryber. And today we're joined by Marcelo Pico of Framed Panda. How's it going, Marcelo? It is going great. Yeah, well, thanks for, thanks for joining us again. Um, we, we really appreciate you uh, seeking out these, these movies and uh, coming on to talk about them with us. So last time we spoke, you had seen Star Trek's 1, 2, and 3 only. But since then... You've watched four, five, and six, right? Yes, that is correct. Um, this past, I think it was Friday, or I, I saw, yeah, four, five, six. So I com- I completed the original series movie um, series. So, so Star Trek Four, that was the one that Nicholas Meyer wrote. Uh, well, co-wrote. He wrote the the nineteen eighty six uh, sequences. What did you think about that one? That one was um, it was strange. I'll say that um, I've heard about the 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 uh, whale plot, the time travel thing, but just watching it, witnessing them, uh, you know, hunting a whale, capturing it, going back in time, it was strange. But overall, yeah, it was a uh, it was fun. The uh, eighty sequences were 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 fun and. Yeah, I just enjoyed it overall. So Star Trek V, that's the one which Shatner directed himself, and which was written by David Lowry, who would go on to write Obsessed, and uh, Lakeview Terrace, two of my favorite movies. So, so Marcelo, what did you think of Star Trek V? Strange. Um, the final, what, 15 minutes where Shatner fights the... Um, I'm not even sure what he was. He was like a... An evil god monster? Yeah. It's... Uh, the movie only works with uh, uh, the three leads, like Spock, um, Bones, and and, uh, and Kirk. All their scenes are, 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 are pretty much solid. Everything else, it's um, completely um, insane. It is. And then Star Trek VI, which is the other one which Nicholas Meyer directed. What, what did you think about that? It was fantastic. Best Trek movie since um, Wrath of Khan. So, um, solid, uh, very political, smart, action-packed. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think it's the best. Of, it's not of true. It's the, uh, the second best, but it's really, really good. Yeah. It's, it's second best only because Wrath of Khan is exceptionally good. Well, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not denying how good Wrath of Khan is, but, you know. No, you are. Okay. Well, um, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, was the the last movie that uh, Nicholas Meyer made before Vendetta. Uh, Last week we talked about Company Business, which came out right before Star Trek VI and the similarities between those two movies. And then there was like an eight-year gap where Meyer didn't direct anything until um, 1999 when uh, Vendetta aired on HBO. Uh, and that's this week's movie. Yeah. It was written by Timothy Prager, 
and uh, based on a book by Richard Gambino. It stars um, Andrea Di Stefano, Bruce Davison, and Christopher Walken. It's based on a true story about the, the largest lynching in American history. It takes place in 1891 New Orleans, and it's about uh, it's a pretty complex plot, actually, but essentially um, these Italian immigrants uh, were very successful at running the, the docks, and Christopher Walken plays uh, an American businessman who um, basically wants to steal their business from them. And when Clancy Brown, the the police chief, won't help him do that, he uh, the Kurgan he has him killed. He kills the Kurgan and has and, his head removed. Yep, and and sets it up to to, to make it look like uh, the Italians were the ones who did it. And they go to trial, and uh, it goes from there. I don't know how much of it I can say since it is historical, but um, uh, yeah. How much of it you can well, say? Well, how much of the plot I can say? Well, okay, I, I'll, I'll just I'll just say it, you know, because whatever it happened, it's what? history, right? What, Are what you happened? concerned about spoilers? Yeah, I was a little concerned. It about doesn't spoilers. go well. They were found not guilty, and uh, the the uh, townspeople did not like that, so they went in and uh, forcibly removed them from the prison and killed them all. Yeah, they did the whole torches and pitchforks thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, Marcelo, what what did you think about the movie? Yeah, um, in terms of uh, spoilers, um, I mean, when I was looking for this movie, when, when when I was hunting it down, it said in like the the main synopsis plot, the story of the biggest lynching in U.S. history, and I was like, well, well, well now I now I already know the end. The uh, lead up to that was was definitely interesting, comparing it to like the Deceivers, right? Um, so sort of like the history storytelling, this, this one's definitely a step above than, uh, of that. So it, it's definitely, um, a lot smarter. It, it seems more confident in itself in terms of like story and yeah, overall just a better experience. All right, Max, what about you? Uh, I couldn't possibly disagree more. I found this movie interminable. It was uh, un- unbearably tedious. I-, I feel like I've seen this story done dozens of times, and I might have actually seen this exact story done before, but uh, I I couldn't stand it. Uh, like, everything about it felt so much like a flashback to somebody's grandfather arriving in the new world from the old country to the, the background music while the cliched subplot of the young guy and his romance with the girl and the the, the, the false imprisonment and, and the, the town outrage and the overt racism constantly. It, it, it doesn't matter if it's true. It's simple. And it's not particularly compelling. Uh, it, the foregone conclusion of this is going to go badly is pretty obvious considering how much the movie is about Wow, they hate Italians. Like, they really, really hate Italians. Everything else after that is just by the numbers. It feels, like, expected. Yeah, I mean, I I disagree with you. I mean, I kind of see what you're saying in terms of it being formulaic. I mean, at times I thought, like, wow, this is Meyer's most standard movie. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of saying something. I meant, you know, as far as like directing is concerned, because Meyer really is someone who's sort of all about story. And he doesn't like impose a style onto his his movies, uh, at least not most of the time. So um, 
and then I thought that this was, you know, that sort of amplified. It was almost like he took a step back from, you know, things like the deceivers, uh, where he had sort of uh, gotten a, a bit more um, involved in terms of the, the camera work and everything. Um, but uh, I, I thought that the story was really interesting. I, I was not aware of, of uh, the history behind it. And, and I think that he did tell the story really well. Um, it, it really is sort of uh, an actor's piece. And I thought that the performances were excellent, you know, especially like Bruce Davison, who's good in, in everything. Um, uh, so I, I, I was really impressed by it. Uh, I don't think that it's uh, one of his best movies, but I do think it's a good movie. I think it's better than um, his last three or four, not not counting Undiscovered Country, of course. Now, Nicholas Meyer himself thinks that it is his best work. Uh, That's what shocks me. Okay, well, well what, what shocks you about it? Well, I mean, like, the, the idea that, uh, you know, it's frustrating when you hear, like, oh, Nicholas Meyer, you know, he hasn't made a movie in, like, 14 years? Yeah, 14 years. And 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 you think like maybe he doesn't want to make movies. Maybe he's tried to make a movie here and there, but you don't really hear much about it. But then I hear like he thinks Vendetta is his best movie. And if I was a studio guy who knew Nicholas Meyer's body of work, and I heard like, oh, you want to make a movie? Let's talk about movies. And he says, my favorite movie that I've made is Vendetta. I'd be like, oh my god, you're crazy. And I will not trust you with money. If you think that that's the best that you've ever done, you want to top yourself with with another thing, and you're going to learn from the successes on that movie. No, that's crazy. I'm sorry, Nicholas Meyer. I I can't I can't I can't trust you. You're nuts. Well, Marcelo, you've seen a bunch of uh, Nicholas Meyer movies uh, in in a very short period of time now. Where, how do you think this one stacks up to? Uh, to the others, not just, I mean, I know you said it's better than the, de- the Deceivers, but how do you think it stacks up to, like, Star Trek 2 and 6? I'll definitely say he's not his, his best, from what I've seen. Um, maybe his third best after Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country. But I think I can see where he's coming from. Maybe he thought um, that uh, this movie is, is like, in, important. Like, he was doing, uh, like... Uh, he, he was giving people like an important history lesson. Like it's an important movie, like uh, above, I guess what he's done previous. Maybe that's what he's what he's thinking of when he says it's it's his best movie. Yeah, I mean, I I could definitely see that being the case. And um, as someone who's you know obsessed with history, like Meyer seems to be, you know, I could definitely see you know this being right up his alley more so than you know Star Trek. Uh, but. Um, yeah, it's I also well. It's interesting. Like if you look at the uh, on the DVD, they had the you know this is like an early aughts DVD, I'd say, or maybe it came out in '99, right when right after the movie came out. But it has that thing that early DVDs have, where um, it's got like the in the menu, it has like a sort of biography of the people involved with it. Yeah. And I read the Nicholas Meyer one because I'm, I was curious about it, and it talked about how he had been nominated for emmys or won an emmy or whatever for time after time and he won the or emmy yeah uh, not time after time sorry uh day after and you know seven percent solution he got nominated for an oscar and everything and throughout that entire 
biography, there is absolutely not one mention of Star Trek. I think that says something about, you know, what his personal feelings are on, on, on the matter. I think that maybe he, you know, I mean, surely he thinks that, you know, Star Trek Two and Star Trek Six are good, but I think he's got that thing where he's like, yeah, yeah, I like those, but, you know, what really gets me excited are things like Vendetta and 7% Solution and, and stuff like that, you know? I think he just has a different interest than, than most people. I, I think that implying that, that Nicholas Meyer has that in absentia of all other available information, I think that's erroneous. I mean, you've got to take into account the stigma of Star Trek. Oh, yeah, maybe, yeah. And and he might think that it's absolutely fantastic, but he knows that if he pushes the Star Trek connection, it's going to alienate some people. And while we consider Star Trek to be fairly popular, it always has been and still is somewhat alienating. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, I, we talked about uh, the gap a little bit, the fact that there were... Well, eight years in between this movie and Undiscovered Country, and you know it's been fourteen years now since he's made another movie, and um, I guess it's it's kind of interesting that 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 exists, and you know what are the reasons behind it, and I think a lot of it has to do with, well, I mean going back but before you know uh, Vendetta, you know you look at Undiscovered Country and and what came after. I think right after Undiscovered Country is when he wrote uh, The Canary Trainer, which was his third Sherlock Holmes novel. I think he just wanted a break from movies and did that. Um, but then I think sort of like the big thing that happened, and he talks about this in his biography, is that his wife died. And when that happened, he realized that he couldn't go off and, and you know, make movies and leave his, his kids, you know, behind. He had to, you know, put being a parent first. Yeah. And that took up, you know, a number of years until they, they grew up, essentially. And it wasn't until after that that he, you know, felt that he could return to directing. And the other thing that he talks about is when you've been away from the game for that long, it's hard to convince people to to hire you, you know? Yeah, you have to not say Star Trek. <laughs> you have to talk about the most profitable movie as though it's the best one. Well, that would be Star Trek, right? Just a paradox. Yeah. <laughs> but in that gap, he was still active. He had uh, written a number of movies. He was a script doctor. I mean, that's probably what he's done more than anything else in his career is um, rewrite screenplays or write screenplays for other people. And he's talked about how he enjoyed doing that, and it was easy, you know? It was it was sort of like a, a carefree career in a sense you know it was something where he could make mm -hmm. a lot of money very easily and he became comfortable with that and i think he kind of regrets that from you know what what he says in his book but in that gap he wrote um summersby voices the informant not that no, informant, the other informant, the other informant. <laughs> uh and prince of egypt he's also credited with and then i know I know that he he did a, a an uncredited rewrite on Tomorrow Never Dies, um, and I'm sure a million other movies. Um, but if you look at that list, I mean, those movies are more vendetta like than than Star Trek like for sure. I mean, Summersby, I have you have you guys seen that? Yeah, with uh, Richard Gere. Yeah, I have not. How how is it? I have no memory of it. 
no memory of it. It it really looks like something which is rather unappealing. Voices, I, I almost think that's a TV movie. I'm not positive. I don't know anything about it. The Informant. I have no idea what Voices is. Yeah. The Informant, same thing. I think Timothy Dalton's in it. I, I take you guys haven't seen either of these. I, I, I didn't see it, but I remember it. And then Tomorrow Never Dies. I mean, I think that, that makes sense. I, I think he's uh, he's friends with Roger Spottiswood, and of course he's friends with Pierce Brosnan. Um, I like Tomorrow Never Dies quite a bit. It's one of my, I think it's the best of the Brosnan movies. I know, Max, you can't stand James Bond in any form, aside from Casino Royale. But, Marcelo, I know that you're a Bond fan. What do you think of Tomorrow Never Dies? Um, that's the one with the... Uh... The Rupert Murdoch guy. Right, right, right. Yes, yeah. I do like that one. I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the plot, but yeah, I, I, think, I, think, I think that's better than Goldeneye, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I love Tomorrow Never Dies. I don't know. Um, to, to me, it has, like, everything that a Bond movie should, and I, and I really love the, the sort of the look of it. It was shot by Robert Ellswit, and um, uh, I, I think it's, it's really well put together. Uh, up until the uh, Daniel Craig movies, I might even go so far as to say that it's my favorite. And, and then Prince of Egypt is one which kind of surprises me. He's credited with additional screenplay material. I mean, I guess I can kind of see it in the sense that he's into like classical literature, but at the same time, well, I don't. I don't classical really, literature. Well, I, mean, I mean, I guess that's that's the only kind of connection that I can find to it. You the know? Old Testament the is Old classical Testament. literature. Classical literature, sure. Well, I mean, you know? whatever. I mean, you know, like, but. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, Vendetta, I, I don't think it, I mean, I had never heard of it outside of, you know, trying to seek out, you know, Nicholas Meyer stuff. I don't remember it making a big splash back in 1999 or getting no. nominated for anything. I had HBO. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I probably was aware of it when it came out. But uh, like some things, even if you're excited about it and look forward to it and then watch it, it leaves no impression. Mm -hmm. um, I could easily see myself having seen this. And then completely forgetting every single ounce of it because, like, it has been only a few hours since I watched this movie, and I've already forgotten like half the characters' names. Okay, well, you know, that obviously is not going to be a movie which gets him back in uh, Hollywood's, you know, favor. You know, I can't see him being able to just go to a studio th these days and saying, like, look, look what I did. And, you know, I mean, even back in 2000, it probably wouldn't have been enough. And he's been trying, I think, forever to, to get back into directing. He talked about, like, the human stain and how he was hired to adapt that and how he was very happy with uh, the way that uh, that turned out. And um, he knew exactly how to make that movie as a director, but he also knew that um, they would never ask him to actually do it. And he, he he kind of regretted that because the, the finished product is something which he is not happy with. Um, it was directed by Robert Benton. Have you guys seen The Human Stain? No. I saw it. What did you think? No memory of it. Okay, I, I saw it, and, and I, I liked it a lot, but I would love to see the, the alternate, you know, Nicholas Meyer version. Um he did a few other movies since since this one, Fall from the Sky. I've never heard Fall of that. Fall from the Sky. Fall from the Sky. Orpheus. Elegy. I think Elegy is probably his biggest one. That was the one with um, 
Penelope Cruz and Ben Kingsley and Dennis Hopper. And the Hessen Conspiracy is interesting because it was uh, written by Ronald Roos, his, his longtime editor, but they didn't direct it, and I don't know anything about it. The tagline is, the winner takes all and more. So That's not possible. <laughs> That's just fundamentally illogical. Well, whatever. He's uh, apparently now working on a, a movie about Frank Lloyd Wright, and he's also trying to direct uh, another movie called Love Affair. So we'll see if that ever happens. But um, Love Affair is about the writing of the love story story. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, Let's say it is. It's funnier. Okay. All right. Uh, Star Trek collaborators on this thing, uh, there were two as far as I can tell. One was Bruce Davison, who is awesome. I mean, and he's been in like 17,000 episodes of Star Trek as different people. But I, I love that guy. Every every time I see him, I, I like him more. Are you guys Bruce Davison fans? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, when when I was looking through the cast list, I saw his name, and and I didn't immediately recognize his face in the movie. And I was like, oh, it's Bruce Davison. It's because he's in the uh, mustache and kind of slick back hair. So yeah, I I definitely like him. Yeah, me too. Uh, I th- the the one role which I think he's he's super duper great in is uh that episode of Battlestar Galactica where he plays the uh the doctor that he's yeah. he's so creepy in that because he seems so ordinary and and just like he does not overplay it he does not tip his hand one bit he just he just plays it completely straight and you think like how could this guy be a, a, like a mass murderer he seems so nice he seems so friendly and then, you know, spoilers, when it turns out that he is, you're just like, oh, my God. Spoilers for that one episode that's a complete non sequitur in the middle of the otherwise very story-driven series. Yeah. That one episode that's about nothing but a bunch of people you've never heard of before and some random doctor, that random doctor is the problem and the reason this episode exists. Spoilers, the only character of, uh, with a name in that episode is the bad guy. Spoilers. <laughs> Yeah, I know he showed up on Voyager. I'm sure he was on Next Generation and Deep Space Nine at some point in time. Who who knows how many times that guy's been on on Star Trek? But he probably does. I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, and then, of course, Ronald Roos uh, edited the movie. Um, I thought it was really well edited, as per usual. Maybe not up to the standards of uh, Star Trek VI or, or what have you, but um, I thought it was a mess. You thought it was a mess? Why? Oh God. Basically, the entire first half, everything about setting up those characters, it was, it was, it was, it was tediously predictable. I, I mean, like I, I, I didn't even need to. I, I don't even think I would, would have had to have watched the first half of this movie to know what happened in the first half, because everything that happens is incredibly predictable and fits a very cliched mold of like the period piece where foreigners and locals are interacting. It's frustratingly similar to almost everything else. Well, I don't know. The thing, the thing about the beginning, which, which I think is problematic, is um, there's a lot of um, complicated relationships. You know, and, and like they, they set them up and they're like, okay, you know, like you 
are working for us and just so you know that guy over there is bad and then there's the whole thing where like you know this guy over here is saying this guy is bad but he's lying and then that guy says he's bad but that's just because he has you know a personal beef with him mm-hmm. and then in the, but then in the end all of that stuff doesn't really matter what all that matters is like these people are falsely accused of this thing. Right. You know, and I mean, I guess there is a little bit of, you know, like the idea that these two rivals are now, you know, bonding. There's but also the, the also the issue of, of none of these people being entirely innocent. Mm-hmm. Like even, even the people who are falsely accused are definitely involved in some criminal activity. And, and the, 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 the story that, that plays out and like leading up to the, you know, assassination and and the uh, the eventual you know uh, mob riot is 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 very sort of predictable. It fits a very old fashioned mold of like I mean like it feels like a flashback in The Godfather to you know arriving in America and meeting all these people and learning all the relationships and you know ultimately all that really matters here is that these people are part of a group and they're working to better each other and. Then somebody tries to screw them, and it doesn't end well for them because that guy's more powerful than they are. Well, I mean, I guess uh, talking about like the uh, the history of of the thing, you know, from what I've read, which isn't much, there doesn't seem to be much, you know, on the subject, all things considered. Um, but the the movie seems to be pretty accurate to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. And one of the things which uh, you know I I thought was was really interesting was the uh, when they're talking about the mafia, mm-hmm. you know, I, I had never heard that, but I mean, it really is sort of like the formation of at least the idea of uh, a mafia, you know, and they're like accusing people who it sounds like probably aren't, you know, involved in, in that, you know, in this case. So it's not like it's about the formation of the mafia, but just the idea of like, this is a new thing, you know, which we're going to have to deal with. I don't know. That, that that was that was kind of interesting. That was like a little bit of I don't know, history which I was unaware of. I don't know. Uh I you know, to me I felt it was sort of cheap manipulation. It was you know, well, let's 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 have these people react to the mafia so that the audience is thinking like, "Oh my god, they think that these guys are the mafia." We know that they're not because we know what the mafia is, but this predates that. So but, then logically they but but then be? well but then that, that also i mean you're saying that that's manipulating you know the audience but uh, to me i think it's just like good shorthand almost you know i mean you're you're trying to to uh convey what's going on here and um if you're doing that by relating that to something that the audience is aware of then you know that's going to help to uh tell your story more Economically, uh, I, I don't have a problem with that logic. I have a problem with that that those scenes being in this movie, and and especially considering the way the movie is structured. The movie is structured as though, um, like we're supposed to relate to this one particular guy, the, the young guy, whose name I cannot remember. Yeah, I, I can't remember his name either. He's and, played by uh, Andrea Di Stefano. Though. Yeah, um, uh, that guy. He's more or less the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, but like he doesn't really do anything. So, but like he's more like a, he's the observer protagonist. Yeah, he's he's our eyes on the situation. Yeah, and um, he's horrible. 
Uh, he's he's a, 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 a dreadful character. There's nothing interesting about him. Um, his life feels like a poorly translated Hallmark card. It's a little cliche with the girl and whatnot, but that to me, I can forgive that because... I can't forgive that because I'm watching a movie about uh, a bunch of people killing a bunch of Italians because they don't like Italians because of some sort of sociological and, and deeply rooted racism in the culture and a fear of, of the unknown and the, and the foreigners. And in the middle of all that, I'm watching the most boring kid... <laughs> I have seen in a movie in years. All right. Well, well, just before we wrap up, I did just look it up, and Bruce Davison has played two characters on Star Trek. He played Jareth in Star Trek Voyager, and he played Minos in Star Trek Enterprise. So there you go. Marcelo, any final thoughts on uh, Vendetta? Yeah, just to touch on like the, the Godfather aspect. Yeah, it, it did seem very Godfather-esque, the... the um, the dealings between like the mayor and Christopher Walken, who, by the way, is on the front cover of the DVD, but only shows up for about, what, like 15 minutes. The uh, dealings between Crystal Walken, the mayor, and all that in the, in the beginning, leading up to the trial, <laughs> I found that intriguing, <laughs> even though I can't remember the names, but all the characters... Sort of like, um, um, like Christopher Walken took and uh, talked to that one guy, uh, tricking him into helping him kill the, the 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 police chief. I found that intriguing, and the trial stuff, I found also intriguing. So it feels like a like Meyer doing doing Godfather, but the whole um, history telling the, the the connection to telling what actually happened. That if if it weren't for that, I would have found this very. I guess, uh, flatter than it actually is. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I, I think, um, you know, the, the thing that, that Meyer, you know, really uh, latches on to with all of his stuff, but in particular this one, is the history behind it. And, you know, the uh, the other things, the potentially fictional things, but definitely the things which don't matter, like, uh, the, you know, seeing uh, the world through this kid's eyes or whatever that that is uh sort of unimportant to him and i think um the the history stuff which makes this work you know if if it were you know i i see your complaints max you know i i see you know the flaws in it but i think uh what this movie portrays is uh interesting enough to make it uh worth watching for sure i would like to agree i i think that if this movie were better I would like to talk about things in it. The problem is that if I were to say, like, I find it interesting the way that this movie uses, like, the mafia term for a thing that doesn't exist, and and then we know, obviously, it did come into existence, and it's similar to the thuggy, which people said, hey, they exist, and they probably didn't. It's probably just a, a, a thing that people applied to a bunch of foreigners they didn't understand as a form of racism to say they're all part of a big conspiracy. To kill us. It's a very similar thing, except that in this movie, um, it's not used intelligently. And uh, it's thrown out amidst a rather, by the numbers, you know, children's watercolor version of a lynching. All right. I guess we'll have to. Which is a coloring book I need to publish. (laughs) Okay. 
I guess we'll have to agree to disagree as per usual. Um, Marcelo, where can uh, people find you? Um, they can find me on Twitter, uh, at FramePanda. Um, I'm a co-founder of FramePanda Productions in Austin. Go to FramePanda.com. We do video production, small, uh, uh, short. Uh, we do short films, all that jazz. So mainly Twitter, FramePanda. Okay, cool. Now, so if a panda had been framed for killing the chief, that's a movie I'd want to see. That's our next short movie. <laughs> that is a movie I would watch. It's on the fast track. All right. <laughs> there you go. So, so now that you've seen uh, the, the, all of the original series movies, are you going to watch Generations and see what happens to Captain Kirk? Uh, I already know what happens, and I'm already disappointed. all right Um, as always you can find us on our uh, website commentarytrackstars.com where we have our other show where we do movie commentaries or you can find us on twitter at comtrackstars or email us at comtrackstars.com or go to trek.fm and uh, give us some feedback on the forums Uh, Marcelo thanks again for joining us and um, we will be back next week to recap Nicholas Meyer's career as a director. 